This is Multifamily Foundation, your show for buying apartment buildings. Now, your host, Jason and Peely. Are you ready to take your multifamily game to the next level? Well, you need to join us October 12th, Saturday, October 12th, for our one-day multifamily foundation workshop. We're going to bring it to you live. We got a list of 15 speakers. They're going to go through the process of everything it takes to get your mind right, get the deal right, learn the terms, understand the markets, learn how to find the deals, learn how to underwrite the deals, learn how to put your team together, everything from property managers to brokers to insurance companies. Beyond that, what's the proper way to raise funds for a deal and how to close a deal and what to do after you take over a deal. So it's going to be a huge event. It's going to be awesome for you to join us. Got a great space. It's going to be here in New Jersey, in Springfield, New Jersey. Of course, it's going to be a one-day event, but we got everything packed in from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Right now, if you put in the code workshop, you're going to get a special discount. And again, that code is workshop, but you need to go to multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com and go fast because we've sold a ton of tickets for this. I actually was able to get a bigger room, so but that's filling up quickly as well. So again, www.multifamilyfoundationworkshop.com. Put in the code uh, workshop. There we go. Got that down and look forward to seeing you so we can all take massive action together. Alpha Funding Solutions, your capital partner backing real estate investors since 2007, providing the best combination of pricing and leverage in the market. Join Alpha's family of 1,000 plus successful and happy investors and let Alpha's team provide options in your next deal or reach out to discuss your future needs and strategy. So go to alphafunding.com backslash J and P. Again, that's alphafunding.com backslash J and P to connect or submit a deal today. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Glad to be back with you. Thanks for checking us out. And again, if you like what you hear, help us in the ratings. Go to iTunes. Give us a ratings and review. doesn't have to be five stars. Give us what you feel. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like so we can get better and bring you the best content. But you're in good hands today. We're going to touch on a lot of different topics. Super excited to have Chris Benson on the show. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Hey, good afternoon, Jason. And, and I'm going to make a preface. I want five stars. If I'm going to be on the show, I want a five-star review only. Well, I know you're going to get that five-star, but when I'm on myself, I can't speak for what I do. And so we, we've just had some technical glitches here, but Chris and I saved the universe. So, so you are lucky because we have brought the interweb back. But that said, Chris has a lot of other things he does besides saving the interweb. He has Chris Benson is the chief investment officer for Reliant Investments, a subsidiary of Reliant Real Estate Management and one of the top 30 commercial stuff storage operators in the U.S. in 2018. Chris is a part of the investment committee and de develops institutional quality self-storage investment opportunities for accredited investors. So, Chris, that's, that's a lot going on. I mean, top 30 in commercial self-storage operators in 2018. That, that's pr pretty super solid. And I know you're sitting here right within a closing right now. So for you, talk to us a little bit more about how you got in the space and what's really led you down the real estate path. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's a long story. I'll try to go as brief as I can so that uh, we don't bore your listeners. But um, you know, my, my background is really in sales. Uh, I, I came out of college, worked for a company called ADP, a payroll company in business to business sales. That's where I cut my teeth in the, the um, early beginnings of sales. Um, had a, a number of medical device jobs after that. And um, at about 28, 29, uh, I remember waking up and thinking, 
I don't think I can do this for another 30 years. I mean, that, that was literally the discussion I had with myself. And, um, you know, I was making great money. And um, that was, I guess, always the goal. And then once I hit that, it was like, oh, well, if my lifestyle is miserable, the making of the money part doesn't really do me much good. So um, it was at that point um, that I started my real estate journey and I started, Jason, probably not too dissimilar than a lot of your listeners who are trying to get started have. Um, we started with multifamily duplexes in the town that I lived in, in uh, upstate New York. And um, we built that portfolio up and very, very quickly I realized it was miserable and I wanted nothing to do with that either. <laughs> um, the, the biggest challenge for me was scalability. Um, if I was gonna replace my income, you know, the plan I had going forward was uh, net 200 bucks per door. You know, if I could do that, my plan was to get 50 units. That's 10 grand a month net. You know, it didn't replace income, but it, it was a pretty good, you know, if I had to live on that, my wife and I and our family live fairly modestly. So, um, you know, we could make it work. So that was the original plan. Um, and then once I started realizing how miserable it was, was working with, you know, we had, 22 units, I think. Um, so my next step was, and I, I heard it on a podcast and I wish I could credit who said it, um, but somebody said big deals and small deals are the same amount of work. You just make less money with small deals. And that was where I said, oh, I just need to go bigger. And um, so then uh, I tried my luck in commercial multifamily um, and you know, commercial meaning five units are up and Essentially, how I got started, Jason, I'm very thankful for the partner who got me there, but um, I called a guy that I knew from church growing up. He owned a construction company and said, hey, I want to build some apartments. Um, I have a little bit of money. What do you got? And he said, oh, funny you called. He's like, first, it's nice to talk to you. Two, uh, there's a municipality I just met with that wants to build you know, um, some class A apartments in a town not too far from where I grew up. And so that was the start. We ended up building a 64 unit apartment complex um, that I was uh, too naive to understand the risk that I was undertaking. Um, knowing what I know now, not sure I would have done that exactly how it happened, but uh, it's worked out fantastic. And, and so Jason, for me, that's what got me started in, in commercial real estate. So and you, for people listening, that's exactly how it goes. The first call you make, you find an awesome project and you get to do it. That's just how the real estate world always works. So, so that's it. Show's over. But no, yeah, that's, that's, that's said, man. Rest is history. In, yeah. In all seriousness here, you, you, <laughs> you went from a job that you just knew you wanted to get out to, to a point here where you started doing a small multifamily and then scaled up to a large multifamily. Looking back at it, a lot of people are in that same position, right? They want to start in real estate and they're trying to pick their space and they think maybe large multifamily or, or something in the capacity of commercial real estate mm -hmm. may be the way, but they, they are probably going to go small first because they think that's safer. If you were to look mm -hmm. back on that, was it a viable route for you to go or would you try and skip that altogether? I mean, I'm a big believer, Jason, that every step in your path brings you to where you are now, right? So the experiences that I had there, um, gave me a, a knowledge level that I was able to bring to the next step. And so, you know, I would argue that um, there's value in every step, you know, mm -hmm. there's going to be things that you learn that you're only going to learn when you're in it. And, you know, Jason, to your listeners who are, I was fortunate enough to be on uh, bigger pockets not too long ago on the bigger pockets podcast. And so, you know, a lot of people have reached out saying, Hey, what do I do? And you know, the big, best advice I could give is just do something right? You have to do something to start that process. Uh, it's too easy to sit back and, and educate yourself, right? And continue your analysis. 
you'll learn only to a point. If you're waiting until you know everything, you'll never do anything. I mean, that's kind of the, the pitch. So, you know, specific to me, that process was great for me to understand, okay, if I was going to make this scalable at a level that I think, you know, kind of change your life, um, I needed to do something differently. And so I, I would say that there was definitely value in it. And, you know, there was certainly less risk from a financial standpoint to do it that way than, you know, jump into the multifamily. I, I fortunately have a wife who's as risk tolerant as I am and willing to say, oh, we're going to dump our life savings into this project. That sounds Perfect. like a great idea. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good, 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 good. That's a good team right there. So That's right. When, when you're talking about now moving from into the larger multifamily and you built this complex and it was just a, a a learning process. Mm. Pick the two or three things that really stand out that that you, when you look back, you said maybe I want to do this deal again. Well, I, just my overall understanding of the pro forma mm. starting versus now, and and now it's just because I've been immersed in you know underwriting for so long, both on the multifamily side and now in storage. Um, you, you know, the assumptions we made were naive um, on on so many fronts. Uh, you know, specifically lease up assumptions, um, you know, rent growth, we're pretty spot on and, and actually the markets come to meet us a little bit there. Um, but I think the, the big thing you have to be conservative on is expenses, right? And that's no different if you're doing a, a ground up development or um, you're buying a duplex, you know, across the street from your house, everybody underestimates expenses always. <laughs> so I think that that was a big one for me. Um, the, the, the good that I would say, one of the great lessons I took out of it is the value of a good partner. Um, in my journey, Jason, so much has been predicated, and even to this day in storage, on I know what my skill sets are. Um, I'm a salesperson. I'm good at executing on things. If you give me a task, I'll go figure out how to do it. But there are some things I'm not good at. And, you know, operating isn't my ballywick. You know, and we learned that with a 64 unit that, um, we ran it ourselves for a while and I was miserable. It, it's just not what I want to do. I enjoy chasing the deal. I enjoy the money aspect of it. Um, you know, chasing the money and the equity to get it done. But, you know, managing um, 64 tenants, it's just not what I love to do. So for me, a big thing I took out of the, that entire development was I had a partner who not only worked, walked me through the development process, um, but you know, his integrity and I'll give him a quick plug. It's Buck construction in central New York. Um, he's built a ton of stuff and he's been him and his son, Chris, um, have been fantastic. Steve Buck is the dad and they were fantastic. I mean, if I didn't have a partner who was as trustworthy as they were, um, this wouldn't have worked. So you've spoke a lot about partnerships for someone who, who may be considering taking on a partnership. What, what would be some of the telltale signs that you should think further about it or maybe even just stay away from the partnership? Well, look, I, I mean, I think I'm a pretty good um, reader of people, right? It comes from the sales background. And when you talk to people all day, every day, you get a sense for who they are. Mm -hmm. um, I think ultimately it's goals, right? It, you got to have a shared set of values and goals of what you want to do. Um, and then the big piece, and, and this one's a little bit harder to ascertain is the trustworthiness. Right. And this is whether you're investing passively in a syndication or you're building a partner for a particular project. And I'm sure you know this too, Jason, you know, from an, a partnership standpoint, things will go wrong. Right. I mean, there are things that undoubtedly, if you're in real estate, they won't go the way you want. And so, um, you know, have a partner who's working in your best interest um, or in your partnership's best interest. 
is huge. And you have to be able to trust them, right? In, in my case, at least with the apartments, you know, he, he basically had the checkbook, right? I mean, I wrote a big check and, and I was overseeing it, but hmm. man, if, if they wanted to embezzle funds or overcharge me, I didn't have enough knowledge base to know how to manage that. So honestly, and, and I would say this for, we say this for our individual investors who invest with us now, right? A big part of the underwriting of the deal you're going into, if you have a partner, is the person. You know, mm-hmm. think of, it's a people business. You got to know the people first. The real estate's important. There's no question, but, you know, having a good partner is, is a key part to, to any part of your business, no matter, you know, what phase you're, you're step you're in, whether you, you know, you own 10,000 units or you're operating your first one, having the right people with you is a huge part of the game. You know, I find a lot for business, the, the failures and partnerships is not setting up expectations because you're absolutely right. Like, you know, things go wrong. And, and so we would talk about multifamily. We've seen a lot of people, you know, having these huge wins, closing deals. And, you know, I'm like, that's great. But just making sure that that partnership is so not new that they haven't really solidified what their goals are. So when, when this thing does, you know, go sideways for whatever point of time during the whole period, which it will, are they set up for that? Or, or are they going to have that disruption in the partnership that you see a lot of times causes a sale because the partnership can't agree because things had it, things went wrong and one partner wasn't ready for it or was one partner didn't, didn't think that far down the line because that conversation never had and it really blows up the project. So a partnership can be such a huge asset, but putting everything out there about how the par- partnership is formed, who does what roles, what your strengths are, that's where really the business is made. So yeah, great points right there. Now, and Jason, you know this too, just one last thing because I know your wife's usually involved mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a marriage right i mean yep. it's all about communication right if, if you can't communicate with your partner or feel like they're not communicating honestly and openly with you good or bad run away yeah that's great because it's, it's great really really. so so you're into this uh multifamily development ends up being a huge home run um it, you transition now into self-storage from there or did you, you delve in more into multifamily before that yeah. So what happened was um, while we were building that 64 unit, one of my buddies that I grew up with um, who lives in South Boston, I'll give one more plug. Uh, it's called City Point Capital. Um, he syndicated his first nine unit condo in South Boston. And he called me and said, hey, I'm doing this. And I said, what do you mean? Like, how are you raising the money? And he introduced me to what syndication was. I didn't even understand that that world existed. And when he showed me that, I was like, oh, that's, I can do that. So from a sales background, that's what I know, right? And, and my network inherently was full of, um, you know, physicians, hospital executives, and guys like me who had made decent money along the way. And so I, that group or, grew organically. They knew what I was doing and I was still working at this point. So people ask like, hey, I'm the next project. Let me know when you're working on it. I want to know about it. And so once I understood what syndication was, my plan initially was I'm going to go out and build my own and syndicate. And then as I did more operating and realized that's not what I wanted to do at all or be an asset manager, I said, well, what if there are operators out there who need equity? And in return for that equity, I can get ownership in their properties. And, and my goal was to protect my investor principal, right? It wasn't just right. my own money that I was investing, but now I have this group alongside of me. And so, um, as you know, Jason, there are operators who need equity and in return for that, um, are willing to uh, share in some of the ownership. So um, I went out and found there were three multifamily operators that we um, invested in primarily in primary markets, the Atlanta's, um, you know, Dallas, uh, Phoenix type areas. 
And uh, we did that for three years, um, and it was fantastic. I, uh, I really enjoyed it, learned a ton. I, I definitely stepped up my underwriting game where, you know, when those operators brought us a project, I could underwrite their underwriting and understand where the risks were for me, you know, my own money and our investors. And, and then what happened was how I got to storage was one of those operators two years ago said to me, uh, three years ago, um, said, um, hey, we're done buying. The market's too hot. Cap rates have compressed to a point where we're not comfortable. We can't find value. We're going to take a break. And, you know, they have a billion dollars under management, so they can do pretty much whatever they want. Huh, interesting. And they've only bought one property since then. Um, they are literally just collecting gunpowder and waiting for this next correction so that they can go sweep up the blood in the streets. But it opened my eyes to say, hey, maybe I should think about another asset class. Hmm. And that's how I got to storage. Um, and, you know, there were basically three pillars that I kind of fell in love with on the storage side. Um, and what ended up happening is I did the same thing, Jason. I, I basically started cold calling storage operators and saying, hey, I got a little bit of equity. Um, you know, will you, do you need it? And will you give me a, a, a chunk of the ownership on the back end if it's a project that I want to participate in? And that's how I found Reliant. What were, what were some things about the self-storage space that really stood out to you that you said, okay, th this is the direction I'm going to go? So there, there's three things that, that I think I, the reasons I still like self-storage. Um, and, you know, one, I started with returns historically, right? And, mm -hmm. and I can give you the access to this data set, Jason, but I'm sure many of your listeners have heard of the National Association of REITs. Um, it's a N-A-R-A-I-T. Um, and they track all of the publicly traded REITs in the U.S. So you can look at any subset of a REIT, you know, timber, office, retail, apartments, and so um, I'm a big data person. So I just looked at the last 25 years of historical returns for storage and compared it to um, some of my baselines. So um, self-storage in the last 25 years did just under 17% a year, which is pretty incredible. You know, apartments did under 13, um, you know, office and retail were in the high, you know, um, low double digits. And just to give you perspective, the S&P 500 in that same time period did just over seven. So mm -hmm you know, storage outperformed. And then the next thing I want to know is, well, I'm a big believer everything's cyclical. So what happens in the next downturn to my asset class? And if you look at storage in 2007, eight, nine, it lost less than 4% of the market. So, um, or 4% of the value. Apartments, it was just under seven. They also did pretty well. Hmm. Just for baseline, the S&P 500 lost 22%. So not only did it have really positive returns, but it also had some of this downside protection. And the hypothesis for that, right, is Americans don't get rid of things. It's kind of yeah. like class B apartments, right? You catch people on the way up because they're buying stuff and then uh -huh. they put it in storage. And then when they downsize, they don't get rid of their stuff and they just put it in storage. There's always a better day, right? Hey, I may yeah. need that. And I can't tell you how many times, Jason, I've been in a storage facility or a unit where the, the contents of the unit are worth less than one month's rent and hmm. people still pay. You know, I, I don't understand it. So... Back to my three pillars, those are the two right, great returns, historic, or um, had some downside protection. And then the third piece for me was, was opportunity and, and growth. And in storage, about 20 to 25% of the market, depending on what data you look at, is owned by um, publicly traded companies. There's five REIT, and for your listeners driving down the road, they're look out the window, and if you're on a major highway, you can see the CubeSmarts, ExoSpace, yep. Um, those are the REITs and then U-Haul, which everybody knows they have a big portfolio as well. So yeah. those three or those th six organizations own about 20, 25% of the market. The rest is all over the board. 
So it's like multifamily was 10 years ago, right? There's still mom and pop operators that have never raised rents on their tenants, right? So, you know, those kind of opportunities still exist. And, you know, in my vision of kind of this consolidation and roll-up strategy, that was really the reason that not only I went to storage as an investor, um, but I'm fast forwarding a little bit on my story. I started investing with Reliant first. And then, you know, two years after that, um, the, one of the partners of Reliant and I were having dinner. They needed help raising equity. And there you go. We formed yeah. the partnership that we have now. I've been here 18 months. You know, we're going to deploy $60 million in equity this year. So it's been a fun, fun adventure. But I think for me, it was built around the, the tenants of the, the asset class first and what I feel like the long-term opportunity is. It's why I've hitched my wagon to the asset class. And so being a larger company like Reliant, what is the lead generation process look like? Are you still really going out there kicking the dirt looking for mom and pop operators or is this a lot direct from brokers or a mix? You're saying specific for acquisitions? Sure. Yeah. For acquisitions. Yeah. So we're fortunate. We have two guys on the acquisitions team. That's all they're doing is underwriting deals. Right. And, you know, my partner, Todd Allen, um, who is one of the founders of Reliant, um, has been in the industry for 20 plus years. Hmm. So you know this from, from multifamily, right? We have a reputation. We know a lot of owners. So we get presented a lot of off-market opportunities just because we've been in the space. And our reputation is if, if we put an offer in, we'll close. You know, we don't horse trade. We're not going to retrade the broker at the last minute. Um, we come up with the equity. And so, you know, in a competitive marketplace, the opportunity to have a strong reputation is huge because you're going to get presented more opportunities that way. But I would tell you that our, our acquisitions team are very opportunistic. Um, Todd's experience is across the board. We, he's done retrofits, you know, taking kind of a dark box retail. Mm-hmm. He's done and we've done value add. And so we'll look at almost anything, you know, and if we can make it work, then we'll, we'll pursue it that way. When you're taking on an asset, is there a bread and butter process that you like to implement in terms of, you know, of course, you know, increasing income, reducing expenses? Is there the reliant, these are the steps we like to take? Yeah, for sure. And, and I would say, I hate to give the answer, it depends, but it really depends on the business plan of the property. Our sweet sure. spot right now is value add storage. So, you know, if you equate it to, to multifamily, think of, you know, we're trying to find a facility in a great market that we believe is undersupplied. Mm-hmm. We can add some expansion to it. Um, you know, our exit strategy typically is to the REITs or institutional money. So we're sort of the middleman where we'll take the step to go in and do some component of value add. And most of the time that's expansion, right? So, awesome. you know, maybe we're building 15,000 square feet of climate controlled um, on the highway so we can get some more highway frontage. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to position the asset so that, you know, call it three to seven years from now, we can look at that asset and take it out to an institutional buyer or a REIT and say, hey, this is an asset. If you want to be in the market, um, rather than ground up, it's cheaper. Just buy it from us. So, huh. And that's been, our, that's been our, um, our play to this point. We sold 21 assets and, and, you know, a big chunk of them have been sold to institutional partners versus, you know, uh, onesie, twosie operators. Amazing. So, hey, we're going to transition over to our snap question section, a new little question. So you're about the third person to run through it. So, so hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, doesn't light the screen on fire, but we'll see what happens here. People are liking it. So what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Boy, I, um, I think it's, you got to do, I, I mean, you, you have to educate, but then you have to jump in and do something. And that's where you're going to learn the most. I mean, it, it, it's, 
it's been proven to me over and over, no matter what I do, educate, make sure you understand what you're getting into, but then the best way to learn is, is jump in. Yeah, absolutely. agree. What's the talent that you wish you possess? <laughs> so many, Jason, so many. Like, Pick one. I'm sure, you've asked, I'm sure you've asked this question, like which pro athlete would I like to be? Um, I, I always wanted to be a fantastic guitar player and I tried to be a guitar player once and then I like, you know, time spent on other things. I still have a guitar in my closet. My wife bought it for me for Christmas one year. Someday I will take it out and become a, at least, you know, manageable guitar player. It's funny. There's a lot of themes where people, people bring up music. It's a, it's a good trend. What's a, a lesson learned that, that you ha- will not, I guess, uh, maybe a mistake you've made that you won't make again. Oh, again, so we've all, made, we've all made so many. One that could, one that's helped your, now that you look back, helped your real estate career go forward. Hmm. That's a good question. I, I, I think, I mean, one of the big ones is trust, but verify. Right. There's a lot of things that, especially when things are new, um, that you're willing to trust other people who you may not have earned. Well, they may not have earned that trust with you yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not a bad thing to micromanage until you understand what that person is going or that group is going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, I, I've definitely had, and, and still to this day, there are times where I look at myself saying, how, how did you do that again? Um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of pieces where, um, someone says, Hey, I'm going to go do this. And you trust that it happened or it happened the way that you needed it to, Mm -hmm. um, without verifying. And, and sometimes that comes back to bite you in the butt. I love it. What's your real estate superpower? (laughs) Is flying. Can I fly? You can fly. Maybe you fly, fly to the next, next self storage. What's, what's yours? What's your real estate superpower? Finding the yes when everybody tells you no. Hmm. Okay. That's a pretty good one. Um, I would say my real estate superpower then is, is the ability to walk into a situation that I don't understand and figure it out. Yeah. That's that's awesome. similar than yours. But if, if you say, Hey Chris, we have to do this. Hmm. Uh, give me a little bit. I'll figure it out. And I love it. part of that's, you know, confidence in yourself. Um, I've been in enough situations where that's worked out pretty well. This has been awesome. Cool. Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. For everybody who's listening, what's the best way to reach out and connect? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got a couple options. If you want to learn more about our self-storage platform and the investing platform attached to it, you can go to reliantinvestments.com and that's plural. So uh, Reliant Investments. Um, we have an education kind of series that we put out. It's actually on chrisbenson.com. It's Chris with a K, K-R-I-S-B-E-N-S-O-N. Um, you put your email address in and you get access to uh, um, a whole bunch of introductory real estate uh, webinars, kind of give you enough information to be dangerous. Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn as well, Jason. I'm pretty, awesome. pretty active on LinkedIn. Cool. We'll get all in the show notes. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, this is Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Alpha Funding Solutions, your capital partner backing real estate investors since 2007, providing the best combination of pricing and leverage in the market. Join Alpha's family of 1,000 plus successful and happy investors and let Alpha's team provide options in your next deal or reach out to discuss your future needs and strategy. So go to alphafunding.com backslash J and P. Again, that's alphafunding.com 
backslash JNP to connect or submit a deal today. Alpha Funding Solutions, your capital partner backing real estate investors since 2007, providing the best combination of pricing and leverage in the market. Join Alpha's family of 1,000 plus successful and happy investors and let Alpha's team provide options in your next deal or reach out to discuss your future needs and strategy. So go to alphafunding.com backslash J and P. Again, that's alphafunding.com backslash J and P to connect or submit a deal today.